Hey folks, you're listening to a, another episode of Big Shiny Takes, the world's number one anti-free speech podcast. My name is Jeremy, and I'm joined, as always, by my pals Eric. Hello. And Marina. Also, hello. <laughs> Joining us also today uh, is a friend of mine who you may know as a environmental lawyer and as well as possibly the last ever leader of the Alberta <laughs> Liberal Party. Uh, let's give a warm uh, Big Shiny Takes Institute welcome to our uh, newest senior fellow, David <laughs> Kahn. Well, thank you for having me on this illustrious podcast. Oh, you don't have to say illustrious. <laughs> I just really wanted to. You know, a, a lot's been going on in our province since we last uh, released an episode. Have you, Eric and Marina, what, what have you guys heard about this? What, 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 what are your guys' Alberta takes? So <laughs> many good things are happening, folks. Well, one, they're, they're taking all the Torontonians, uh, the people from Toronto. We're getting full-on advertisements to move to Alberta. The advertisements don't mention, you know, the fact that the new premier of the province is, you know, an anti-vaxxer weirdo. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey, she's vaccinated, all right? She went to the States to get her Johnson & Johnson vaccine because she didn't trust the uh, the mRNAs. Uh, yeah, so I actually watched the Alberta Advantage stream to see what was going on in uh, the beautiful province of Alberta, and uh, Jeremy was on it. Um, you're Jeremy, by the way. and. Me. uh Yes, you. <laughs> and, you know, I was really cheering for uh, Leela here because I heard that she had the the weight of the podcast elite of Alberta behind her. <laughs> I got to be honest, it, <laughs> it did not turn out great for her. She was heading up the progressive wing of the party such as it was. Hey, she got, you know, um, I was talking to uh, Nate Pike of, of Breakdown uh, Infamy, yeah. and he said that, uh, well, people are saying that there are no progressives left in the UCP, but 1.6% of them are. <laughs> he actually said that, like, that's almost a direct quote. Um, he also, he had a lot of gems. I was listening to his uh, Twitter spaces and uh, uh, making him really mad by asking him questions. What is a Twitter space? I've never got a Twitter space. We should do no. a Twitter space one time, actually, like between episodes or something. Okay. It's just basically it's like a live audio chat that you host on Twitter and, you know, it's out there and people can come in and uh, they can either listen or they can participate. Yeah, it's a nifty little thing. We're going to have to pivot to Twitter spaces now that Twitch is canceled. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that happened, but I, I do think a Twitter space with our listeners would, would devolve into chaos within like 30 or 40 seconds. It'd be incredible. Well, you control who gets to talk, right? And Oh, really? It can be orderly. Yeah, yeah. All right, fantastic. Okay, let, let's do it. It'll be fun. Which is why um, I was surprised Mr. Pike allowed me to speak. But he also said that it's disingenuous to say Leela here lost. Uh, even though she got 1.6%, because just by putting her name forward, she won. Oh, that's... <laughs> the real winners of that election, I mean, beyond, you know, the people of Alberta, were the people who came dead last in it. Yeah, we're the losers. Yeah. <laughs> there are no losers in politics, as David can... Uh... Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, 
it's been really interesting actually watching Kenny's like last month is premiere when he kicked off this this ad campaign in Toronto in Vancouver to entice people to come to Alberta while at the same mm. time being like uh yeah the person who's probably going to succeed me has some really bad ideas that are going to repel people away from Alberta and uh it was awesome watching him squirm well your uh your article the other day summarized all of the good news announcements they've done yeah and that was just in a four-day period too yeah he was pre-writ campaigning you know but in this case it's like trying to cement my legacy campaigning with public <laughs> listen nothing he can do at this point will top him in a cowboy hat at the gas station struggling <laughs> yeah. to get the <laughs> get the pump out of the the fuel tank is one of the funniest things that's ever happened in canadian politics and say what you will about our new overlord uh danielle smith our supreme leader madam premier her worship yes yeah she probably knows how to fill up a gas tank you know what i'm saying like she's actually from alberta which you know uh that's something i guess uh she's not from oakville ontario (laughs) she's not cosplaying no, she yeah, yeah. she's the real deal. Like she believes yeah. everything she says, like that she was doing her part to combat COVID by drinking tonic water. Yeah. <laughs> she actually said that. Like early in the pandemic, when she was also promoting like hydroxychloroquine, she was like, if you mix the two, you're not gonna get COVID. Well, sales of tonic water spiked, didn't they? <laughs> she's just got shares in it this is insider trading shares in it yeah yeah tonic water ink yeah. she's making a lot of money off of canada dry right now yeah. <laughs> but it's basically like like danielle smith it's almost like like if tucker carlson became president yeah full of crazy ideas but in dangerous ideas but she's very like She's very uh, telegenic, and mm. uh, and I think David could probably tell you more about this. Weirdly likable. Oh, she's really charismatic in person. Like, you know, I've been at different parties drinking with her, and she's funny and like like a real person, you know. And yeah, you know, that's probably part of her threat is that she's not a weirdo like Jason Kenny. Yeah, she's not like a freak. <laughs> Like, I mean, she is, but she's very good at, like, she's very good at coming off as human and, like, saying the most insane shit with just, in just this, like, common sense tone where mm. she's, she's always just asking questions, right? Mm. Mm. Would you say she's Palin-esque? No, no. She's Whoa. way more, like, down to earth than Sarah Palin, you know? And she's not, like, like, I, I get what you're getting at, but I don't, like, she's much better, like, put together, you know? Like, she's she's a great broadcaster. Like, when you listen to her, like, podcast where she says that, like, if you're in stage four cancer, well, the decisions you made in the first three stages were all, I mean, those were things you could control. Personal choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she just says that, like, with, <laughs> Have a, you haven't heard about that, Eric? No. <laughs> Eric's just jaws dropped. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cancer is a choice. And it was that. No, I thought she was going to win the leadership race. But then when she came out Yikes, and said cancer bro. is a choice uh, in a <sighs> podcast interview, she's a fellow podcaster, by the way. So oh. um, another reason to uh, support her. Doesn't that sound um, like something from Atlas Shrugged? Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> well, no, honestly, it's a, it sounds like something Kanye West would say. She says it in such a measured way. Like, it's just common sense. Yeah. I did have a question for the the Albertans in the room. That includes you, Jeremy, even though you're, you know, an adopt you're an adopted Adopter. son of Alberta. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, heard, I heard a rumor on the internet that uh Danielle Smith <laughs> spoke positively once about the health benefits of smoking. Is this is this like a real thing? Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. in the Calgary Herald. <laughs> she she argued, among other things, that uh you know, if workers want to work in a smoke-free environment, they can just go walk down the street and get a different job. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it works. No, I mean, and that's, that's the marketplace. I, I was I was on Alberta Advantage recently <laughs> talking about like Danielle Smith's worldview and what she believes, and her like hardcore like libertarian beliefs have been almost completely consistent since she got fired from the Calgary Board of Education, along with the entire board. It wasn't just her, but the government just disbanded it because it was so dysfunctional. And, you know, she was a big advocate for school choice, which uh, for listeners in Ontario, you better get to know that term because you're going to start hearing a lot about it. (sighs) As Doug Ford solidifies his grip on power, Mm -hmm. which is just publicly funding like unaccountable um, private schools. And then she, yeah, she failed up into a job at the Herald where she, I mean, the stuff she was saying about smoking is exactly what she's saying now about COVID restrictions. Like you want to wear a mask? You don't want to wear a mask? You want your workers to wear a mask? You don't want them to wear a mask? Up to you. If you want to go to a restaurant and, they don't require masks like tough shit go to another one well it's like it's like her her conception of libertarianism is everything is a zero-sum game and the market is completely fluid and liquid so that those people that don't want to work in a covid-filled environment can go work somewhere else like just slip into another job so danielle smith like total fucking crackpot but i think what you've been seeing now that she sort of ascended to power is already like Kenny has not been premier for like what like I think he technically still is premier on Tuesday yeah yeah which I mean by the time you're listening he won't be premier but but we're recording this on Monday night so Queen Danielle is ascending to the throne uh tomorrow and and already even before he stopped being premier there are these efforts in the media to rehabilitate him and talk about how actually it wasn't that bad. I mean, you know, it's really crazy, Danielle Smith. And it's very reminiscent of these attempts to rehabilitate George W. Bush. Dwayne Bratt, who I like to call Big Brain Dwayne, um, he's like Calgary Media's favorite political scientist. He's just like, like they all have him on speed dial and he he just picks up the They phone. just leave a truck outside of his house. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> they actually this is the gave live him from a uh, global news. We now have Dwayne Bratt commenting from his lawn. <laughs> but he, he said uh, he predicts, his prediction is that we're going to look back on the days of uh, Jason Kenney as uh, being ones of relative calm. And, uh, you know, I think the only way you could say that is if you're this like white guy who's a tenured professor at Mount Royal University and you weren't on disability uh, and had your funding cut or you weren't a meatpacking worker who had seen one of their colleagues die during the pandemic or... Weren't a nurse in the mm-hmm. hospital. 
yeah who are just traumatized from like the the in- total bungling of the pandemic healthcare worker that got fired in the middle yeah, yeah, of the first yeah. wave yeah yeah or, or yeah. like an educational assistant who who was also fired during the pandemic because we don't need you anymore i you know i mean you could go on and on unless you're an oil and gas ceo and then yeah it was it was pretty fucking calm for you um <laughs> Yeah, it, it is like super disgusting to see like people like congratulate Jason Kenny for you know his his time spent in office and stuff. Like, and even even folks out in Ottawa were you know sending their well wishes when they found out that he was resigning. I mean, it all comes down to like respectability politics and like using the correct tone. And they go, well, I may not have agreed with all of the things that Jason Kenny did. You know, like lighting the entire province on fire and leaving everybody to die. He gave yeah. everything to his office and his station, and thank you for your service, sir. It's like you don't yeah. have to thank him. At, yeah, his, I mean, at his funeral, we're all gonna line up for fourteen hours and show our respect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing. He fucking his last days as premier. He fucking went to the UK to wait an hour for fourteen <laughs> line for fourteen hours. He said it was on his own dime. So what? We, we're, we're, were, were, were we deducting his pay for the time he was there as premier? Yeah. Like, is that coming out of his pension? No, no, he was... I turned on CBC News Network, like, really, you know, accidentally. Uh, or, or And he was on there saying, oh, I was, I was doing conference calls all day. So he's been running the machinery of government while standing in a line with a bunch of punters along the Thames in a line that you can see from space. Taking <laughs> conference That's- calls all day. Yeah, but David, uh, you, of course, in your past life as the uh, leader of the Liberal Party of Alberta, uh, ran against Jason Kenney in his writing of Calgary Lawheed. Yeah. What, what was that like, like running against him? Well, the, you know, there was a massive imbalance in uh, money spent, you know, so that was one thing. But uh, it was kind of fun, like just to, you know, obviously I wasn't going to win, but you know, I wanted to uh, run against him and show that we Calgarians are not afraid of some snot-nosed kid from Oakville coming in and parachuting into a riding where he's never lived anywhere near. And because uh, his mom's basement is in a different riding. <laughs> Stipulate that. But yeah, I mean, what? but what was it? What was it like? Like standing on the stage at a debate with like the fucking devil himself. Yeah, well, the, we didn't, I think we had one debate during that by-election, but of course we had more debates in the uh, general election uh, campaign. So, uh, yeah, I mean. That's right. That was, that was the, the, the laying pipe incident, if you want to yeah. tell our listeners about that. Well, you know, after third year university, I worked in the oil patch, hard labor, building pipelines. And so, you know, I wanted to point out <laughs> that I was the only leader on stage that had laid any pipe. <laughs> and actually <laughs> probably laid more pipe than Jason Kenny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh let's get back on track. Uh, like let's talk about uh let's talk about debating no, Jason Kenny. Well, like what yeah, was yeah, what was that like? Well, well, of course, he's he's very quick and uh, can be can be witty and and uh, quick witted, but uh, yeah, it, it was really fun. I mean, that was the funnest part of the campaign for me was that debate. It was it was just a lot of fun, but it was also a comedy of errors. We uh, 
we drove up in my car and my friend Gary was driving and he wasn't looking at the uh, gas level. So we ran out of gas at Calgary Trail and White Ave, I believe. And so, so this we're, is on the, we're, on, yeah, we're on the way to Edmonton for the debate. We've run out of gas. Uh, we're supposed to go to the hotel and change. Uh, then someone behind us in a car is like going around and he's really annoyed that we've like blocked the lane. And it turned out to be David Swan, <laughs> who was the previous leader of the Alberta Liberal Party, who was in Edmonton to like clear out his condo. So he gave us a ride to the hotel and then we, you know, got there in time. And so that was just, that was just leading up to the debate. Anyway, suffice to say, I'm, you know, that, that's one of my stronger skills. So I, that was the, you know, one of the most enjoyable parts of the campaign. And I had, I had some, I had some lines, some attack lines that I got to use and, you know, you know, it was kind of like uh, uh, the West wing or something. But, but did, did, did you have a moment? When you're interacting with Kenny, whether running against him in his riding or at the provincial level, where you're like, wow, this guy is like pure evil. Did that did that occur to you or was it just like your mind elsewhere? Well, you know, I was going to I was going to raise this point about Daniel Smith. And I think, you know, the best politicians, I think, have this. But you guys are probably too young for uh, having to have watched that science fiction show V. These uh, aliens that came down and took over the world. <laughs> yeah, isn't that one of the lizard people? Yeah, but they had, you know, the leader was Diana, and she was this beautiful woman. They wore human skin so that they wouldn't, you couldn't, you know, they just thought they were beautiful people, but really they were lizards underneath. It's incredible. So, uh, this, the, the, the relation to the, your question is he's also very, very charismatic and very funny and when you're with him one-on-one or when he's giving a speech or, you know, usually interacting with the media. So yeah, I mean, but that makes it even scarier, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, Danielle Smith, even more like, like, I don't know, to me, Kenny's never come off as like a human being. Like he's obviously like an alien in a human suit, but like Danielle, like doesn't like, she comes off as really like down to earth. Um, in a way that's really uh, unsettling, um, in, in in my view. Well, I mean, that's another thing with Smith. Because she comes from the media world, she's that much more of like a sophisticated uh, communicator than Kenny, right? Like, she knew when she was talking about the Alberta Sovereignty Act, when she was saying cancer is a choice, she knew that she would be controlling the conversation and everyone else would just be responsible bonding to her shenanigans and it will be interesting to see how uh many rakes rachel notley steps on in trying to uh you know just dig up the craziest things danielle smith has said before like we all know like she thinks smoking is good (laughs) but no one seems to care also people have no memories so just as kenny's gonna be you know looked upon fondly uh no one's gonna remember what pierre polyev or or uh, Daniel Smith had to say on the campaign trail, all the crazy shit that they talked about. They, she'll just pivot and everyone will forget we're like goldfish. Yeah, yeah. It did rule that when she was running and her centerpiece of her campaign was the Alberta Sovereignty Act, that we're going we're gonna to veto any Supreme Court of Canada ruling we don't like. We're just going to exert our independence without actually like calling it that and then uh it actually just came out today her like tough advisor was like 
No, we're not gonna we're not gonna violate any Supreme Court of Canada rulings. Well, you think we're crazy? Yeah, they're all walking it back. But she said today, and this kind of stuff just blows my like head open because I'm a lawyer and it just it's ridiculous. But she said we can go back to the Supreme Court with new evidence or facts if we ha- have them. We can just keep going back and like. <laughs> 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 it's no, fine. <laughs> we'll go higher than the Supreme Court. What's, yeah. what's higher than that again? I, I keep yeah, forgetting. someone someone on Twitter pointed that out, and I was like, "Well, the, the uh, appeal to the uh, uh, the the Judicial Committee of the Privy Council ended for criminal cases in thirty four and civil cases for 40, <laughs> in forty seven. So, no, you you really can't go any higher, and you can't keep going back and being like, oh, we forgot about this argument. We forgot about oh oh we also forgot about this argument.'" Can you <laughs> <laughs> and she was she was speaking specifically about uh challenging the the carbon tax right which was yeah. settled in the supreme court the alberta court of appeal ruled like yeah the carbon tax is unconstitutional because it's the alberta court of appeal who cares yeah. and the supreme court was like actually it is constitutional mm-hmm. and uh yeah she's gonna go she's gonna go to the u.s <laughs> she's gonna go back you know bang on the door look we paid Five hundred and fifty thousand dollars to our outside legal outside counsel and legal fees, and they forgot this argument. So can you can you just take a look at this again? The Supreme Court isn't busy, you know. They got time for yeah, this kind of stuff. Like it's great. Sitting around, like, oh, it's Danielle again. What is she filing this time? <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Good to see you, Danielle. <laughs> Make nine copies immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked a lot about Danielle and we talked a little bit about uh, the man of the hour, uh, Jason Kenny. But I feel like it might be time to get into this uh, image rehabilitation piece done for free by the National Post. This column is by a man by the name of John Iveson, who we are pretty familiar with here at the Big Shiny Takes Institute. Uh wrote a, a great column about how uh, CERB is turning a generation of kids into welfare slackers. Not a great turn of phrase, I would say. A little insensitive. Um, also very untrue because CERB stopped like within eight months. <laughs> like, they, yeah, and it was, and, what, 500 bucks a month? Like, yeah, like <laughs> 500 cl- bucks a week. Yeah, yeah. It was, I think it was two grand a month, and then they clawed it all back. Because, well, that's because Christia Freeland was taking free advice from her National Post columnist. Yes, yes. Well, like John, I was saying. <laughs> thank you, John. Uh, okay. Things are so great now. Um, yes, and so John is is a very typical uh, conservative. Um, I don't think he's ever written anything that I'm like, wow, this really sticks out to me as as spectacular. But he does like fall into the the realm of liking respectability politics you know he's he's a fiscal conservative you know he cares about the economy but what he really cares about is nice words and saying please and thank you and and not being crazy and buying you know bitcoin with shawarma or or like buying shawarma with bitcoins (laughs) i keep mixing those two up Um, i like the idea of buying uh uh, buying bitcoin Bitcoin with shawarma it it makes more sense on the block hey i got this shawarma who wants it who wants it Uh, I'll give you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need 10 Bitcoins. All I have is this chicken shawarma. Um, <laughs> but this column is, I think, a very, very great indication of what the National Post sees as like a respectable send off to one of their own, you know, someone who fought the good fights by yeah. 
trashing a province, right? And this is John Iveson's The Downfall of Jason Kenney Will Reverberate Beyond Alberta. Um, so it's, it's already a Shakespearean tragedy just from the title. Like, <laughs> downfall. <laughs> Reverberate across the land. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that this awful man is gone. Um, and so, David, we usually let the guests read the column. Yeah. You're, you're welcome to say no thank you. No, I, I'll read this column. It's like apologies in advance for laughing till I'm crying, but it's... <laughs> One of the, as you said, it's a, it's just a typical establishment article, and it's one of the worst or best ones I've ever seen. <laughs> so yeah, so the the title is "The Downfall of Jason Kenney Will Reverberate Beyond Alberta." So we know this is a serious column. And then the byline is that we call it the byline. No, the it's second, the deck. The deck. Okay, the deck is as premier. His leadership skills were found lacking. He failed to listen or to persuade his own caucus to support the government's agenda. <laughs> it kind of sounds like he shouldn't be the premier, right? Yeah, <laughs> but it's played down like it's like he's a great guy. He just wasn't a good leader for the problem. <laughs> he was just so bad at his job. Yeah. <laughs> just so bad at it. <laughs> Amazing. Like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? As a <laughs> Do you really need leadership skills to run an entire province? Uh, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and then we have a very cute picture of Jason Kenney. Uh, you know, an on-air host once in a commercial break once told me that he had just eaten in A&Ws all around his leadership campaign, his PC leadership campaign. You know, so it's, uh, it's not healthy eating. <laughs> <laughs> it's but like there the are pin- Canada's Panera Bread. Yeah, you gotta you gotta reach out to the A and W voters. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me. Right, Mama, Papa, Teen, Matza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the the first paragraph is you know one of the one for the ages. Oh man, the tragic Shakespearean <laughs> hero is generally undone by a character flaw that is responsible for his own destruction. Think. Hamlet's procrastination, Macbeth's ambition, and Othello's insecurity. <laughs> Jason Kenny is so much less cool than any Shakespearean tragic hero. I like I studied English and I'm by no means like a Shakespeare expert, but I don't know, based on what I know, the first character who comes to my mind is like Polonius. So this really demonstrates the level at which Mr. Iveson's operating, right? Like this is history here in the making uh, you know requiring this this open intro paragraph then he goes on (laughs) in jason kenny's case it would be his idiosyncrasies (laughs) he is after thursday the former premier of alberta in part because he is such an unconventional guy a professional politician, 25 years, frontline experience, like he was do- like delivering babies and, and setting broken arms <laughs> the front lines of the <laughs> political scene. <laughs> he's, he's in the trenches, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just killing people with a shovel, you know. <laughs> he's on the, the front lines of the policy wars. It's unbelievable. There's tear, there's gas like floating over the the battlefield. He has a profound understanding, not just an understanding, a profound understanding of policy. 
and whose career has been on a constant upward trajectory until his recent downfall. (laughs) Wow. There's a couple things that stick out to me here. Um, I don't think it was Jason Kenney's idiosyncrasies that really cost him the leadership. I think <laughs> I, I think it might have been something different. Does anybody have any suspicions as to what might have cost him? Well, I think he 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 summoned these like angry populist, uh, you know, hard right forces, and then. Uh, weaseled away from them when like he just couldn't go all the way you know he he was like okay fine we'll have a mask mandate okay fine we'll um you know do like the absolute bare minimum on covid in his base we're just like what the fuck <laughs> i i didn't know i was voting for some like globalist like soros <laughs> Yeah, uh, funded definitely, and that and that's why how Danielle was able to swoop in and be like, well, actually, I uh, agree with you, and I also, um, you know, very disappointed by Kenny, and uh, and he's been totally rehabilitating rehabilitating himself now, like as this column does as well. He he's he's criticizing the Sovereignty Act, and he said, you know, or, or someone said he never did anything crazy like that. He had a referendum on equalization that, that was not binding on the rat, you know, at the bottom of Young Street. And he, this sham referendum to ask people if the uh, equalization program should be changed, like he cosplayed all this stupid stuff. And now he's saying, oh, I, I, I just challenged things in Supreme Court and I didn't do anything populist like that. It's amazing uh, how much rehabilitation this this paragraph is even trying to do. Like to say that Jason Kenney has a profound understanding of policy and that his career has been on a constant upward trajectory. It's bizarro world stuff. That's it's he's he's a fail son from Ottawa. Like he did the thing where he couldn't make it in federal. So he went provincial and he parachuted in and he won because uh, Notley was in charge for four years. And then he's like. I'm here, folks. Don't worry. Yeah. Wasn't just like a right place, right time sort of thing where the UCP sort of gestated and like he was the guy on top. Well, he played the whole unit. He played, he, you know, he, he argued that he unified the two conservative parties into the UCP. Uh, and that it wasn't on that way anyway. And so he swoop, swooped in and took, like, took a hold of that whole narrative and convinced everyone that it was his idea. Mm. And uh, so he drove. It, it was actually Danielle Smith's idea when she crossed oh. the floor with half the Wilders caucus to the PCs. Right. She was like, yeah, I was trying to unite the right and it failed. Uh, Kenny, like, congrats, Kenny. You got a united conservative party elected in Alberta. Like, amazing. <laughs> like, it's, you're a fucking genius. It's like bumper bowling. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. <laughs> It's like an incredibly, incredibly. Yeah, it's definitely thing. not very hard to be a conservative in this province. That's for sure. Yeah, what was it like? Forty years straight that you had a you had a conservative premier. Forty-four, And then before that, it was social credit who were like thirty. Like actually, Danielle Smith is kind of a return to social credit in a, in a way because they're like yeah. raving lunatics. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. And the, this paragraph just paints him like such an a quirky interesting guy that just was <laughs> taking down by some you know f- force outside of his control yeah it's some policy virtuoso that enjoys bird watching but really yeah. just cares about his province you know like it's 
beside reality. Uh, do, do you want to jump back into this thing? Yeah. So the next paragraph, just to just to carry on from the last. So remember, his his career has been in, on a constant upward trajectory until his recent downfall. But he was he is also someone who is a bit of a loner, a private man who is never married, with a strong Catholic faith, who finds it hard to truly connect with those from more typical backgrounds. <laughs> What is that code for? What is there's a lot of code in that sentence, bro. No, I, I like how the next sentence starts though. It starts with a lie. Friends say he suffered from the smartest man in the room syndrome. Hey, okay, are you expe- you're expecting us to believe Jason Kenny is friends? <laughs> that's not the part that's wrong in that sentence. <laughs> Sorry, David, I interrupted you. <laughs> friends, friends. I mean, yeah, that, that, that is a problem. Friends say he suffered from the smartest man in the room syndrome and had a hard time compensating in areas where he had less skill, like caucus management and employing senior staff. So again, basically, you know, he, he was a really great guy except for running a $52 billion organization. <laughs> it's, it's fine. He's so nice. Yeah, he he had friends, but he also couldn't get along with anyone. Yeah, so unsurprisingly, there's another fawning paragraph coming up here. He was one of the strongest federal ministers of his generation. (laughs) You can't just say that. Like you can't. (laughs) But John Iverson did say it, and so and as we said, it's. This is Canada's national paper yeah, record, yeah, yeah. so it must be true. Yeah, everyone, <laughs> millions of people read and, and value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They value. Yeah. I mean, I would, I kind of want to see how many retweets this got on, from John's Twitter, but you know, he blocked me some time ago. So. Yeah, I think he we're all he, he blocked me and the podcast. So, getting back to the column, remember. I just want to point out that he's one of the strongest federal ministers of his generation. Viz <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> uh, making important reforms to immigration and refugee policy. Now let's just take that apart. I think that in- involved more temporary foreign workers, less rights for refugees and no health care for refugees or immigrants. Yeah. In like uh, being against family reunification and treating people just as like units of like economic productivity yeah important stuff very important stuff for your uh corporate masters uh but this last one's good too and deploying canadian military trainers to ukraine in 2015 so he's also like a prescient like god-like being that (laughs) he seven years in advance for Putin's invasion of Ukraine and he was already preparing for it just in case yet as premier his leadership skills were found lacking he failed to listen or to persuade his own caucus to support the government's agenda hmm. you know this is the the most pithy important prose of this article is right here in that in that uh, paragraph I love that he reminds me of that Shakespearean character that uh, his tragic downfall is his real tragic flaw was being just super shitty at his job. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Shakespeare was working on that when he died and it never <laughs> made it. <laughs> 
it was like Hamlet, like it was set, you know, in a king of some area, but uh, yeah, it just ended up not being a very good leader and didn't hire the right people and didn't uh, <laughs> persuade the right people. And so Danielle Smith became premier. Yeah. Why was he unable to do any of that? What, what does John Iveson say about that? In part, that was because of another fatal character flaw for any political leader integrity <laughs> a lot of fatal character flaws <laughs> he's just too good of a guy he was a he was a you know a wide-eyed idealist and he just had too many principles and he you know he was a fish out of water right he was a fine man and he did his he did his best for queen and country and you know it was because he was so rock solid in his beliefs and his morality. That's why they got rid of him. The swords came out. Um, it's just like, it is one of those things where it's just like, you know, when you get a job interview and they're like, can you name like a, a flaw that you have? So like a weakness that you can work on. You're like, sometimes I just, I work too hard. Yeah. Like that's what it this feels has to like. Be a, 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 something negative. That's really a positive. So yeah, <laughs> can I, you I, imagine like, like in a job interview, like what? What? What's your greatest flaw? Oh, I just have, I have too much integrity. <laughs> it's so good. It's it so comes good. back to haunt me every time. A more conventional politician. There's that word again. Yeah, a more conventional the... politician would have grasped that COVID restrictions and vaccine policies were stoking feelings of hostility. What Kenny has called populism with a snarl, and would have. <laughs> And would have milked the malevolence. So he, he he's never done that. He's always been above populism and milking people's malevolence against Ottawa. Yeah. He did rap. not run his last campaign milking malevolence against environmentalists and mm-hmm. uh, trying to connect them to the Alberta NDP, even though the Alberta NDP also hates the environment. <laughs> it didn't happen. Yeah, it's everything. Everything else in the province is communists and socialists. <laughs> uh, populism with a snarl. Yeah, there's good populism, and then there's really nasty populism. So, but the insinuation here then is that Danielle Smith is a more conventional politician because she did that. Yeah, <laughs> and Danielle Smith is not a fucking conventional politician. I guess the argument would be that Pierre Polyev is also incredibly conventional, which I mean, I think what he means, I think, you know, I don't think he's a very good writer. I think what he means is a more cynical or a more uh, calculating politician, a politician with less integrity. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It always comes back down to integrity. So a conventional politician would have played to those forces and to their advantage, but Kenny did not do so. His critics have portrayed him as an ideologue, but in a province with the largest anti-lockdown cohort in the country, many of her of whom were his party supporters, he attempted to steer a responsible middle course between restrictions and liberty. Like he's the captain of the Titanic and he's going to miss the ice flow. Yeah, it was really responsible when our, when he went on vacation for three weeks, uh, when hospitals were like overflowing maybe he could have steered the ship towards uh having fewer people die and not ostracizing every medical professional in the entire province 
Well, I'm sure while he was on vacation, he was taking calls on the beach, just like he was taking calls in the lineup to see the dead queen. I've been uncomfortable all day long. <laughs> yeah, he said he was having meetings all day, and then CTV News got a copy uh, of his calendar. Yeah, I remember that. Right, <laughs> right. Like, there's like, what, two meetings? Oh, boy. This guy fucking rules. <laughs> he, works, he works harder than anyone in the room. Yeah. Uh. So he's he's uh, he's steered the ship of state through between the rock of restrictions and the tornado of liberty. I guess I'm mixing my metaphors. It should have been like a typhoon or something. Even before COVID, Kenny was struggling to hold together the electoral coalition that he had fused to win the majority government in 2019. So now he's like a Sauron or something. He's like, <laughs> hot and he's like created this un- invincible monster called the UCP. Yeah, just, you know, political alchemy going yeah. on. It's too powerful. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> and then we quote Ted Morton, that bastion of intellectual thought. I don't, did you remember? Did you know? Well, this is before your time, Jeremy, but you, but you would know this from your research. But I didn't know that Ted Morton was a finance minister. That's really scary. Was that under Klein? Yeah, I guess so. Before my time, too, I guess. He's like a he's a University of Calgary like sick. Yeah, right? he's a troll at the University of Calgary School of Troll Public Trolls. Right, right. <laughs> with uh, with friend of the show Tom Flanagan. Yeah, yeah, those two. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Ted Morton, he noted Kenny's all, always risked losing moderate Albertans if he moved too fast, but risked the rise of separatists and other groups he if he went too slow. So again, he's like the uh, this Shakespearean martyr that's stuck between two forces beyond his will. Yeah, two yes. extremes. There's like <laughs> doing something to protect people and doing nothing. And he decided to do the bare minimum when it was too late. Yeah, well, it it is like a lot to frame this as like he had to make a choice between centrists and fucking... <laughs> the extreme right like the absolute extreme right there's actually not that much of a choice there actually he should pick neither and he should become a maoist um and <laughs> that would be fun and we'd all enjoy that and maybe he'd still be leader but too much integrity so but in this and this this just demonstrates you know what a lot of media wants to do is give both sides of it right so one side are the as you said that the the normal like you know, people that want to reduce healthcare deaths because of a plague and the other, the other side, equally, equally important that we consider the other side, the separatists and nutcases <laughs> with a grade 10 education that don't, wouldn't know a virus if it came up and infected them in Grand Prairie. <laughs> I like the idea of being stuck between the two choices of, you know, like a, just a, a regular Calgarian and, Ned, a man who wants his landlocked province to separate from the country. Like, it's just like, oh, I, I don't know which one to pick, you know. This man Whatever. on the street, sir, what, what do you think? <laughs> it's, it's really not that hard of a choice. It's not the... Uh... That's what leaders are elected to do, isn't it? <laughs> so we, we move on to, uh, as Kenny put it in an interview with the National Post on Wednesday, so there's a plug for the, the paper that he works for. Oh, it's it wasn't good. also wasn't the interview with him? 
Yeah, it was because it popped up. I couldn't watch the whole thing, but it popped up in the corner of the of the uh, article and makes you want to watch it. And it's like it's more just just fatuous, like like boot licking from John Iveson, like, welcome to the pro he's breathless. Welcome to the program, Mr. Kenny. Like, so honored to have you on here on my video podcast on the National <laughs> Post website. <laughs> <laughs> as Kenny put it in an interview with a very handsome National Post columnist on yeah. Wednesday. <laughs> the pandemic proved to be a crisis almost purpose-built to divide a coalition like ours, as he was obliged uh, to introduce restrictions against his own better judgment <laughs> and the will of many in the governing party. So basically he was forced beyond his, he was forced to introduce these, introduce these restrictions and he had really nothing, no agency, really. It was all Dina Hinshaw. <laughs> It's, yeah, she's more powerful, more powerful than the guy that ran the province, I think. Yeah. The way that we're supposed to understand this, which I, I don't know, maybe I'm a cynic, but I, I feel like that's not true. Yeah. And, and, and this, this paragraph also just absolves him of all blame for anything that he did during COVID because COVID was purpose built to destroy his government. <laughs> his legacy. Just came to being, being like a Jason Kenny hater. Yeah. 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 There's, thousands of other leaders of jurisdictions around the world that who, who weren't laid low by this virus, but poor Mr. Kenny had couldn't do anything about it. I'd just like to, I'd just like to, you know, spin off that point because this whole column has been very like the Shakespearean hero stuff, the COVID purpose built. We're talking about the premier of Alberta here. Can we have some perspective, Mr. It's, Iveson? Like Jason, anyone here? Like this is these are this is some heavy stuff. Yeah, I think what you might be trying to say is he had all the levers of power of a giant province overflowing with money to keep us more safe and better educate those nut bars and certainly not play to them through your can't your various leadership campaigns and he didn't he couldn't do it yeah well it, it's incredible that, that you know every province that did more than alberta you know didn't have a absolute shit show of a leadership review and then subsequent campaign where a former radio host has taken over the province like it's crazy that you know in new zealand that didn't happen the jacinda adern it's crazy that didn't happen in China. Is it crazy that didn't didn't happen here in Ontario? It's all these places have had stronger restrictions in place, and it didn't ruin anyone's political career. So, like, it's what's the X factor in <laughs> the X Alberta? factor is the coalition like ours. There's never been a coalition like ours in the history of the world, and this virus was purpose built to destroy such a coalition as has never been seen by the world. Yes. Yes. And it's, you know, the coalition has a lot of integrity, I think is the thing. <laughs> that attracts, attracts the COVID virus. <laughs> Should we jump back into this thing? A radicalization took place among some UCP members that saw Kenny only narrowly win the leadership review last May with 51.4% of the vote. In his opinion, it was not a mandate to govern, and he decided to step down. When they gave me the number, my first response was surprise. We thought we were doing much better, but my second response was relief and a <laughs> sense of pending freedom. <laughs> this guy has so Wallace. much grit. <laughs> He's like, oh, thank God I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, so like 51.4%, not that high. Um, but Danielle Smith only won the election with what, like 53 or so? Some low 50s, yeah. It, it kind of feels like there isn't a, a huge mandate for Danielle to lead, even though like this is just an election within exactly. the UCP. Um, exactly. Doesn't seem like that's going to stop her from uh, lighting the entire province on fire. Kenny was portrayed by sections of his own party as a sellout to Ottawa, despite winning concessions on carbon regulation and COVID relief. The folks who were angry were not looking for solutions. They were just looking to burn things down, starting with the Federation itself. I'm sorry if I'm not their candidate. Not sorry. What? (laughs) (laughs) I think he was trying to say something like, sorry, not sorry, but he didn't. Nail the it's like when you you use like open ai to write like a blog post yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like Put it's just like words it, together it's it makes like kind of grammatical sense there's just no meaning behind it you know there's there's no human being who constructed that sentence i'm sorry if i'm not their candidate not sorry okay jason it's a pretty bad quote and let's just and, and let's point out the covid I don't know what concessions on carbon regulation. Actually, I do. I mean, it was concessions to uh, the oil and gas industry. But uh, the COVID relief amounted to the federal government raining down tens of billions of dollars of money on all the provinces. It wasn't like he he negotiated a massive COVID relief package from the federal government, like better than anyone else has ever seen. Um, yeah. What What concessions on carbon regulation were there the the liberals have been working with uh the ucp and previously to them the ndp to you know provide as late as the touch as possible vis-a-vis the oil and gas industry and especially the oil sands right right but like i mean the liberal party like the federal liberal party seems fairly willing to play ball on that though like it doesn't seem like he's some master negotiator like pulling out the win from uh the eco-terrorists that are running the country right like mm-hmm. they, kind of seems fantastical rather than what it is to two captured petro states like working to uh you know perpetuate the golden goose that's sinking in black tar <laughs> again i think i'm mixing way too many metaphors but it, it fits perfectly with the column though <laughs> it's, and it's actually better it like, sounded like i put that together too <laughs> All right, let's get back into this thing. So I think we're almost at the end here. So remember, he's a real federalist. He said his commitment to federalism is unconditional. I was trying consciously and unapologetically to make a populist appeal to the frustration about Ottawa, but to channel that in a constructive direction. Like towards a bullshit referendum? Yeah. (laughs) That no one voted in? <laughs> it, it was constructive though you can't can we can we at least agree that it was a constructive direction yeah it's also constructive to continually appeal decisions uh, <laughs> because you just want to pretend like you're a fighter it's so silly like it really is it's like onward not forward <laughs> twirling towards freedom yes He defended his record during the pandemic, saying that per capita fatality rate in Alberta was lower than the Canadian average and that of three other unnamed provinces, (laughs) despite having some of the lightest restrictions in the country. 
Was the response perfect? Absolutely not. But unlike other provinces, we never had to ship an ICU patient out of the province because they died. Because they died. But also, Alberta did <laughs> ship ICU patients out of the province. I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine being the fourth worst province for COVID? That's to be like, hey, we're better than three unnamed ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's pretty yeah, good. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> September 21st, 2021. Alberta asked feds for help transferring ICU patients out of province. Yeah. I mean, maybe that was a just-in-case thing. And um, they were asking the feds to come in and create field hospitals outside the Whirling Alexandria and stuff, right? Yeah. Other hospitals. Yeah. It's just completely... But it doesn't look like anyone in media actually followed up as to whether that was done. No, I think there's just a bot running the editorial pages at the National Post, too. Right? <laughs> a pitch bot, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. So he said he said the COVID reaction that surprised him most was the emergence of the anti-vaccine movement. I'm skeptical, skeptical about elite opinion on a number of questions, which gives me a populist edge. <laughs> never about basic medical science. Well, then, like, if, if imagine that's the saying case, that about yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, got a you're right. Edge. That's got to go in your Tinder. Your Tinder. <laughs> he is like one of the most edgeless people too. Like, there's not an edge on on the man anywhere. Not a single edge. I was skeptical of elite opinion. Said the guy that's been that's only done politics for his whole life. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know who has an edge. You know, who's a populist edge. Professional. Yeah, the, she does. Also, the Edge, the wrestler. I was oh, like, yeah. damn it. That was my joke. Damn it, Jeremy. I know. I was not the Edge, the YouTube guitarist. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's not very edgy. Well, he's he's the aged out of it. He's more the age now. Um, That's a bad joke. I'm going to cut that. I feel bad about saying it. Shout out to the Edge, wherever you are. He listens to the podcast. It, it is, like incredible to me that he you know never had any doubts about medical science but then was super super uh gung-ho about forcing people back to work to die for the economy mm-hmm. right like it, it kind of seems like a weird thing if if you trusted the science you would have listened to the public health officials saying hey we should shut down so we can get ahead of this thing so this killer virus doesn't become endemic and then you know make society collapse eventually yeah <laughs> and i don't know that I'm just spitballing here. This paragraph says he's a very smart guy and he knows his science. Okay. Now okay. we got to hear from him again because this, yeah. this this column is all about him. The soon-to-be ex-premier said he hopes that as COVID recedes, the UCP can reconstitute as a big tent coalition under a new leader. But not if one of the central themes becomes recrimination over COVID policies or by pursuing de facto separatist policies. He said, a clear shot at frontrunner Daniel Smith's Alberta Sovereignty Act proposal, which appears to suggest the province should have the ability to ignore federal legislation. If the party wants to get reelected, it should stay in touch with the broader mainstream, Kenny advise. advise. It is It is kind of like, I will say, it's fun to see him hoisted by his own petard. He fomented this. This was his, this was his doing, and... Now he's out of a job and he can cry over dead monarchs and line up for them. But uh, this is the Alberta fight back strategy. Like, yeah, as you said, he fomented this. He, he, 
he not only laid the seeds, he grew the garden that Daniel Smith is now tending. <laughs> you know, to use another probably inapt <laughs> metaphor. But all of them are landing so much better than everything Iveson has used so far in this call. <laughs> like, so remember, he's gonna, he's got to, he he kept in touch with the broader mainstream, and that's what the new leader has to do. At the federal level, he said he was worried about the appeal to more extreme elements by his former intern, Chair <laughs> during the conservative leadership race. I love that it's like, like a subtle get, dig against him. Like, he, Miss Fitzhenry, Miss Fitzhenry, Bugsy Brown. Like, remember that commercial, <laughs> You're Too Young, where, uh, you know, the, the kid's grown up and he meets the his teacher under the fight, fighter jet and she's using oil of Olay and she doesn't look a day older. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we're reminded that this is his former intern. Yeah, I do like the idea of, like, a populist champion being an intern for, like, a former reform party <laughs> exactly. um, weirdo. But now we get to understand why Pierre is not uh, not a threat. I'll be honest, I had some concerns about that, but I think he, Poilievre, has allayed those concerns since by being laser-focused on bread-and-butter kitchen table issues that the broad <laughs> Canadian middle class are focused on. Canadians are laser-focused and interested in cryptocurrency and uh you know convoy terrorists and yes, yes, yes. how the bank of canada is part of an elite corrupt jewish cabal to like take down and enslave all of the western democracies <laughs> <laughs> bread and butter issues you know yeah normal stuff in that you can uh avoid cancer through uh holistic medicine exactly. well did he say that no, Danielle Smith said that. Oh. When she said cancer is a choice. Oh. <laughs> you had a choice not to take your holistic medicine. So now you're paying for it. That's right. So now we're back we're back to the Shakespearean tragedy here. For all the an- analogies with tragic heroes, Kenny is not like Othello calling on the fates to roast him in sulfur or wash him in liquid fire because of any regrets. I've paid my dues and then some. <laughs> I have nothing left to prove. <laughs> like it's a swan song. I, I could not imagine doing this bad at anything and trying to moonwalk out of a room like Jason Kenny is trying to right now. This is so pathetic. It's like, man, just go. Just you don't have to do this. He's done. He has nothing left to prove. And after he serves his time as MLA, he said he wants to take up the challenges, challenges in the private sector, including writing a book on public policy issues he is passionate about, including free trade in Canada, immigration policy, foreign policy, because remember he was a defense minister, and indigenous reconciliation, because he always wants to pretend to be doing something about that. Oh, yeah. 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 He always loves to talk about how there are indigenous people who uh, support uh, destroying their ancestral lands. But it's always our, our indigenous people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god! It's I can't like Donald wait. Trump saying, "Look at my African American." Yeah, like just look at our indigenous. More than slightly people. paternalistic. Yeah, weirdly possessive. I I look forward to seeing what he writes about, you know, environmental policy or free trade for like the McDonald Laurier Institute or the Fraser Institute. Or yeah, the- yeah, yeah. He's. I was gonna say. 
He's going to go work for some think tank that's funded with Jeffrey Epstein money. <laughs> and he's definitely going to get a chair, uh, a board uh, position on like CIBC or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or he yeah. can join uh, his his friend and uh, the only economist that exists to him, Jack Mintz on the board of Imperial Oil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think actually a big oil company would be more apt than a Bay Street bank that it seems like an easy parachute out so you can face the challenges that getting a fat paycheck and just ignoring <laughs> the environmental regulations bring well you can take the boy out of oakville but you can't take oakville out of the boy yeah. no it's nothing true. nothing says anti-establishment non-elite than taking a board position with yeah. oil right this is it's his <laughs> populist edge <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and writing about free trade in Canada. That is also populist. In you should become a fellow at uh, the Big Shiny Takes Institute. We would love to have him. Yeah. Oh, well, my God. Jeremy, and you got that great photo with him at the uh, conservative barbecue. In the <laughs> yeah, I was he very so high when I took that. Jason looked so sad in that picture. Oh. Like, I ambushed him. He was trying to avoid me so hard. Like, you know, I mean, David, I know you know this, that when politicians, you know, they do their thing where they're going around shaking hands and then they look. Yeah, you see someone crazy that, you know, they're crazy. Yeah, you turn around and you see somebody look the other way. (laughs) Go the other way. He kept doing that. And then I I talked to this guy who ended up being his comms person. And uh, Brock Harrison. No, it wasn't. No, because Brock would have like, no, it was some guy I'd never heard of. And he was just like, he asked, he, he was like, what's your name? I was like, Jeremy Appel. And he's like, oh, yeah, I think I've read some of your stuff. Anyways, just follow him around and he'll eventually take a photo of you. <laughs> and then, yeah. That's nice, man. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, and then I approached him like right after he left some, some like family who brought their like daughters there, which I think is a mild form of child abuse. And um, was telling them that actually people tell him all the time, thank you so much for all the work you've done as uh, premier of this great province. Um, I was like, Mr. Kenny, or I think I said Jason. I was like, Jason. And he turned around and as he was about to look the other way, uh, his comms guy was like, hey, you mind just taking a photo with with this guy? Uh, you know, and he was like, yeah, of course. What's your name? I was like, Jeremy. And then he just like, you could tell he's just like, fuck, okay, let's get this over with. <laughs> Wait, he gave it the old college try. Like, he's got a big grin on. Yeah. I, I recommend to viewers or, li- or listeners, I guess, that they they look this up. It's quite quite a great shot. I'd say sad eyes in it from Jason. <laughs> it's incredible, though. So, you know, the last paragraph is really the best here, right? Because you, you want to put save your best for last, even though hardly anyone reads to the bottom of a John, John Iveson column. But be that as it may, here we have it. <laughs> Trage- the tragedy of Kenny's downfall is not his alone. The loss of his experience, energy, and integrity from public life will be felt across the country. Albertans may be above yeah. cover the truth of Mark Twain's assertion that <laughs> honesty in politics shines more there than elsewhere 
<laughs> oh boy. Fuck. What honesty? Like he hasn't he hasn't named a single honest thing in this whole story. <laughs> How dare John Iveson use a Mark Twain quote in a column where he misuses Shakespeare all the way through it? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I thought we were talking about Shakespeare. Now he's fucking talking about Mark Twain. Yeah. How how dare he? <laughs> like, it's Mark Twain just... was way cooler than this column. Oh my god. This is this is like incredibly shitty. Um, I read it the first time. I'm like, oh, John, you suck. But like having to like go through like step by step, every line was bad. Awful. Like it, it's like the, this is like the start of a romance beyond any other. Like, can you imagine if you wrote this column about someone else in your life would like you should marry this person. <laughs> Just best friends for life. Yeah, um, it's a friendship application in the National Post. This is yeah. wild. Yeah, I'm going through. I'm going back through it, and it is just like vague platitudes. Jason Kenny was a strong leader, committed to federalism, and it's just like, but everything was against him. Co- COVID was purpose built to defeat him. He like uh, he struck a uh, positive. He did strike a thin line between listening to cranks and then like <laughs> Oscar, like not something not even true. It's it's wild. What a complete that that column was a trip. Well, it's I wonder if the people who died of COVID because of his like lax policies think his biggest problem was that he kept it too real. You know, because like that's what this column is kind of saying. You know, he's just like telling the truth all the time and. He's too honest for politics. And it's like, no, yeah. no, I don't think that's the problem. Oh, John, this is so pathetic. Yeah, that was that was really bad. What but what yeah, I mean, what is Jason Kenny gonna do? Like, I think I think in part he's uh laying the groundwork with all these like feel-good announcements in his like last few weeks as premier to like maybe mount a comeback. What once Danielle? Because Danielle Smith's going to implode. Like it's going to be, it's going to be a fucking disaster. And I'm here for it. But with these efforts in the media to like rehabilitate, rehabilitate Kenny, even before he stopped being premier, I mean, I think it's got to be in the back of his mind that's like maybe I can come back once things go really south. But at the same time, the party that dumped him is still there. You know, he's still, you know, he wasn't he's barely able to get a majority of support there. What do you think, David? Yeah. I mean, the party's still run by that, the grassroots, but, and uh, as far as we can tell, they're crazy right-wing grassroots. So yeah, he, he's, he, he, they didn't like him the first time, but, you know, but I'll, 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 uh, you know, add an, an asterisk to that and point out that they hated Daniel Smith too, less than eight years ago. And now she's the premier of the province of Alberta. So he might have to bide his time, you know. I know it's kind of a cop out to say this, but I think it remains to be seen. All right. <laughs> That's fair. I think, I honestly, I think he created a party that has surpassed, it's gone beyond the point where he's willing to go. I think he he kind of set himself up for failure here. And I think David said it earlier, like Danielle Smith, like is, is sort of like eating his lunch now in so many words. Like I, I do think Danielle is like running the party that Jason created by, by being like, I'll do all the shit that he said he wouldn't do. It'll be so cool. 
and everyone's like, "Yeah, Danielle, go, go, go." And like, you're right. It's going to it's going to end up with her um ruining the province. But uh but what I worry about is that she is doesn't have enough time before the next election to really fuck things up. And as such, she's going to be elected for at least four years. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, she's going to destroy. I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's total wild card. I mean, she's like, I mean, she's the Joker, you know, like who knows which way she's going to go. And uh, tomorrow, uh, or I guess by the time you're listening to this, not tomorrow, um, when she gets sworn in is going to be, uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be lit. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to see Leela here in cabinet. <laughs> the breakdown's going to love that. They'll, they'll just be like, well, yeah, of course she's, she's trying to make a difference, uh, from within. And it's like, yeah, yeah she tried to do that under Kenny too. And then she got canned. Listen, I think we, we can all push the UCP left. I think that's the, that's the smartest thing we can all do. Uh, but on that note, I feel like we should we should sort of shake off this absolute waste of uh, uh, column space with some things that we read or wrote in the past week that we actually enjoyed. So, David, at this point in the show, we usually we do a thing like we like to call plugs and wrecks. So things that the listener might actually enjoy when they consume it. Jeremy, did you see or write or or uh, watch anything worth sharing with the audience? Yeah, well, uh, there was this piece in the uh, New York Crimes. Oh my uh, That was uh, I know. Can I can I say that? I don't think you can say that. All right. Well, <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to bleep it out. Okay. okay. Um. About uh, this reporter uh, spent some time in the metaverse, and uh, I thought it was quite interesting. So I would recommend you read that, because it's probably going to be our future, whether we like it or not. That's the thing about big tech, as uh, you know, Eric might know from uh, producing a podcast about the perils of big tech. I forget what it's called. I, th- I think it's called... Big tech isn't the answer, right? Well, save us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. David knew it. It's a good podcast. Yeah. Oh, I, thank you. Paris is like the best. Yeah, Paris is a delight. But so there's that, uh, which I thought was interesting. I mean, it doesn't really, you know, it's like reporting. So it doesn't really tell you what you should uh, think of the metaverse. But, you know, I mean, you can read between the lines. Um, I also, uh, by the time this is out, I will have a piece out in The Breach about the IRA definition of anti-Semitism and a new report that just came out from Independent Jewish Voices about how it is part of a broader project of conflating pro-Palestine activism with anti-Semitism and support for terrorism. So you can check that out at breachmedia.ca, I believe is the website. David, I'm going to pass it over to you. Well, you know, in preparation for my appearance on this uh, illustrious podcast, I've been listening to, is it back issues or uh, what would be the, the correct term for? Yeah, uh, the back catalog. I think it's a good catalog, way of saying it. Back catalog. I, I just say old episodes. Old yeah, that, that works too. Old, old episodes <laughs> of Big Shiny Tech Institute. <laughs> and I'm, Jeremy I'm with his populist edge calls it old episodes. <laughs> 
You're really in touch with the people, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am a man of the people. Yeah, so I, I, you know, so I really want to give a plug out to the uh, wonderful job you guys did of deconstructing. I can't even remember the guy's name, but uh, the guy that was up in arms that uh, police officers should have the right to march in gay pride parades. Because, you know, I've been against that for a long time. And sometimes I struggle to enunciate or, or properly communicate the reasons for why that is total bullshit. But I think you and your guests did a really good job of uh, just destroying that useless column. Here's Adam Zevo, friend of the show. Adam, Adam Zevo, Zevo, yes. Who uh, blocked, I forget why he blocked me. I think uh, Adam Zevo actually listened to the episode, or at least was aware of it tangentially, because uh, after we recorded it and released it, I got a like on one of my, my I think it was on my pinned post. So I think he, he might have taken a scroll through my Twitter feed after we uh, absolutely lambasted him for his, like, dog water opinion about pride toronto alex from house of decline was on that episode and he's just yeah. like a wonderful wonderful person to talk to about anything but yeah he just hit it out of the park he was on fire the entire episode <laughs> it was uh it was fun to be but a part of i could communicate you know like that about what an absolute terrible bullshit idea this is this this idea that that cops have to take part in pride in their uniform anyway don't get me started great episode must listen old episode i'm very flattered i don't know if anybody's ever recommended an episode of the show on the show <laughs> this is like a... yeah my head's about to explode <laughs> yeah. i well, just can't compute i uh i wanted to plug one of the podcasts that i edited recently i think it's a it's a very toronto-centric episode of tech won't save us since we we brought it up it's an episode called Why Google's Toronto Smart City Failed, and it's with a Global Mail reporter, Josh O'Kane. It's, it's a great episode. I always had a lot of questions about Toronto's sort of misadventure into trying to develop a smart city, and there's like a lot of bureaucracy going on, and a lot of things whispered about. What could about go wrong? Exactly. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with a company that's made its fortune stealing personal data from everyone uh, <laughs> now gets access to? Is it data or data? I've always wondered. I don't I know if it matters. Data, unless you're talking about uh, the character on <laughs> Star Trek Next Generation, then it's data. <laughs> Thank you, David. But yeah, the, the entire episode just kind of goes through every misstep and all the things that went wrong and what could have gone wrong and and the public's reaction to it and i think anyone who has some questions about what the hell happened uh should listen to that episode because it's an interesting part of toronto history that doesn't get talked about enough true so true toronto doesn't get talked about enough it's the center of the universe jeremy and you should remember that because you're from here um i don't have too much to report but i have been trying to read more i'm continuing to read a book that i may have mentioned but i'm not going to mention it again because that's my own cross to bear i swear to fucking god if you haven't finished the jacquard <laughs> it's like 300 pages i'm not no, no. i also started i started moby dick on the recommendation of a uh another podcast guest and <laughs> I started watching the Harley Quinn show, which is actually really good. It's shockingly good. It's very well written. And Marino, you have been reading that book like a page a month. Like, I just took like a yeah. six month break. Do you even know what's going on? 
Yeah. <laughs> he's got a great memory. He's got a great good. memory. Oh, Anyways, oh. listeners, um, you should start reading the Jakarta method and see <laughs> if you can uh, finish it for Marino. Um, speaking of which, I actually, I, I know uh, I, I already had my turn, but I did want to say I started reading a book called uh, Son of Elsewhere by Ella Amin uh, Abdul Mahmoud, which is a great exception uh, to my rule of all pundits uh, needing to be redacted. Um, I It's a great book. Um, yeah, he's CBC panelist, but yeah, he wrote that he was sad the queen died, but uh, man knows I write a memoir, I'll tell you that. Oh, good, y'all have to check that out. Awesome. Well, that sort of brings us to the end of the episode. And David, this was a marathon episode and it was a total blast. Thank you for making John Iveson actually fun to read for maybe the first time ever i'm not sure if i'd go that far but yeah it was it was really fun and a real honor and uh, i look forward to uh listening to this in an old episode when i'm old and gray i can play it for my grandkids <laughs> I have. right this is your legacy david this is my legacy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so well david come back anytime uh this was so much fun yeah thank you very much Bye. 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 It's me and Shiny Takes, the only anti free speech podcast. Me and Shiny Takes, reading garbage for your brain. It's me and Shiny Takes, with Jeremy, Eric, and Marino. Me and Shiny Takes are sure to entertain, are sure to entertain.